are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Hey, I look forward to hanging out with you tonight. It's going to be a good time, and we've invited a lot of neighbors from our community. Last year at our cookout was one of the block party was one of the first times we met some of you who are now part of our church. And so people have been diligent about putting door hangers on the doors of the people who live around our community. And so it'll be fun. I'm, I'm excited to spend some time with you tonight. Um, as I was getting ready this morning, I, I looked at my notes and I realized and something that kind of made me laugh. I told a group of preachers a few weeks ago about a little girl who is looking over her father's shoulders, who was also a pastor on Saturday night as he's kind of finishing up his sermon. And uh, she said, Daddy, does God tell you everything to say when you preach? And he says, uh, I, I thought it would be a great teaching moment. So I said, well, actually, honey, yeah, he does. And she said, then why have you scratched some of it out? Yeah. First service laughed really hard on that one. Yeah. I feel like I've done some scratching around and I think the reason is, is because I feel the weight of the sermon, and I realize how important it is. I stand here, and I talk to you about God, and there's nothing more important than your understanding of God. And so I pray this morning God will speak through me in a powerful way into your heart. So let me start here. Do you remember when Jesus was one day walking by the Sea of Galilee? And he sees these two guys, their brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net onto the lake because they were fishermen. And so Jesus says to them, come, follow me. Now, do you think he really meant like physically go with me? I think he did because that's what they did. Because the Bible says they left their nets and they followed Jesus. It was like Jesus was saying, you've been living your life this way all this time, and now I'm calling you to leave this life you've been living and to get on this journey with me and to walk with me now. So going a little further, he sees two other brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and they're in the boat with their father Zebedee, and they're preparing their nets, and Jesus says to them, hey guys, follow me, and they did. They left their boat and their father, and they followed Jesus. It was like Jesus was saying, I know you've been living life this way all of this time, but now I'm calling you to leave the way you've been living your life all of this time, and I want you to follow me. Get on this journey with me. Let's walk together. And Matthew tells the same story about himself. He said, I was a tax collector, and I was sitting at my booth one day, and Jesus comes, and he says to me, Matthew, follow me. And Matthew says, I got up. And I followed Jesus. And it's like Jesus was saying, Matthew, I know that this is your life right here. This is the way you live your life every day. But I'm, I'm telling you, leave your life as you know it and begin to walk with me. Let's walk together. Just journey with me. Would you do that? And so I want to give you three words. I don't know why I held up two fingers first. I wanted to hold up three. The first word is journey. Because I think that's what it is. It's a journey where we say, okay, I'm leaving the life that I've been living. When I was 19 years old, that was the conversation I had with Jesus. And now I'm going to journey with you. I'm just going to walk with you. I'm going to be the rest of my life on this journey with you, Jesus. I think another word for journey is discipleship. 
So let me talk to you about that for a minute, okay? And I'll just leave this here. When Jewish rabbis accepted disciples to follow them, it wasn't simply a matter of saying, I want to listen to what the rabbi is teaching and learn everything I can. Now, that was part of it. But it was also this. I want to become like the rabbi. I want to imitate his life. I want to become like him. And so when we talk about following Christ, it's not just a matter of saying, I'm going to look and see what Jesus teaches. It's saying, I want to become like Jesus. We believe that is the call of discipleship so strongly that we wrote it on our wall in the West Foyer. We are passionate about becoming like Jesus. And so there's some people who say to me, Rick, that seems impossible. (laughs) Have you hung out with me? Do you know how much unlike Jesus I am? That's why we have the third word, and that's grace. Because it's believing that God is going to change me. That God is going to do something in my heart. That God is going to make me into a, a better person, a person more like Jesus. And so, when you put all of that together, here's how we see discipleship. We see discipleship as a journey of grace. So I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, hey, Rick, you're pretty slick, aren't you? That, that's pretty good. That thing that you just did where you like give us the three words and then you put them in a sentence like that, that's, that's, that's good. I mean, don't you think it's good? Yeah, I borrowed the whole thing. It's not mine. So here's the story. A couple of years ago, Annette and I were going away to celebrate our anniversary, and so I took a book with me. And it was a book that was written by the former pastor of this church, Dr. David Busick, who is now a global leader of the church. He's a general superintendent, travels the globe, overseeing the church of the Nazarene all around the world. But the book was powerful to me. It's a book about theology. It's, it's, it's a practical theological book, though. It's, it's about, you know, prevenient grace and the atonement and salvation and sanctification and on and on. But he wrote it in a way that, that the person who would say, I don't know that I've always been like a student of theology, you could understand it easily. So he really wrote it with the person who comes to church on Sunday morning and sits in the pew. He wrote it with that person in mind. He wrote it with you in mind. And, and what I want to do over these next six weeks is use it as a guide. And so I'll preach the Scripture every Sunday. I'll preach the Word of God. But his book will kind of be a guide for us as we work through some of these issues. And I would love for you to buy the book. So today I'm just in the introduction. So next week it will be chapter 1 and then chapter 2 and 3 and so on. And I hope you read along with me. And it means as much to you as it's meant to me. So John chapter 14. You ready? John 14 verse 1. Here we go. So this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and I said, here we go, but I'm not ready to go, so give me one second. Let me talk to you. So here's here's what's going on. Here's the context. It's, It's really considered the final discourse of Jesus in the Gospel of John. So what John does is he gives us five deals, okay, one, two, three, four, five, where Jesus makes big speeches. This is the last big speech. It's right before his death on the cross. In fact, the setting is the Last Supper. 
And here's what he says to his disciples. Hey, guys, need you to lean in. Got something to tell you. Might be hard to hear, but it's about over for me. I'm not going to be with you much longer. I mean hours, and I'm leaving. So the disciples are obviously distraught. What, what do you mean you're going? They've got lots of questions. He says, yeah, you're not going to go with me right now. You're going to come later. Well, why can't we go with you now? And where are you going? And why, why are you telling us this? And so when you get to chapter 14, Jesus comforts them because any good friend would comfort people who are hurting, right? And then he tries to answer as many of their questions as he can. Now we're ready to go. Here we go. John chapter 14, verse 1. Yeah, they're saying, no, we're not going to do it now. You messed up. Can I get to the Scripture? It's on this screen. It's not on this one. It's not going to happen, is it? Something just broke. So should I just go without it? Okay, here we go. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I'll just quote it from memory. I'm teasing. I can't do that. <laughs> Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. I promise I will never do that again, okay? My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. You with me? Hey, guys, I, I don't want you to be worried. You can trust God. You can trust me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that? I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place I'm going. And, and although they've heard all of this, there's confusion. And so Thomas kind of speaks for everybody else and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, Thomas, I'm the way. And the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he talks about his own identity. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. Because Jesus says you've seen me. So this is the word of God for the people of God. And the people said, thanks be to God. So let's talk about it. You want to talk about it? I want to talk about it. Net and I, 30 years ago, moved to a town in Tennessee called Columbia to become the pastors of this church there. The, the, the town was interesting. Um, it was a town of 14,000 people, but like in the previous two or three years before we got there, it grew to 40,000 people because General Motors built the Saturn car plant there. You remember the Saturn car? And so they had a, a nickname for the town, kind of an identity. It was called Mule, M-U-L-E, Mule Town. They celebrated the mule. I know. Every spring they had Mule Day. They even crowned a Mule Day queen. First service, love this way more than you are. Wouldn't you want that on your resume? I was once the Mule Day queen. 
Okay, this one will really go over big, okay? In 2000, we were living there. They celebrated the millennium. I'm going to quit. It was truly a great town, and we loved living there. It was awesome. And when we were there, there was something that happened in that church that was just unbelievable. God began to draw many people to himself, and a lot of people came to know Jesus. We're seeing a lot of people come to know Jesus right now, which excites me here at Bethany First Church. I remember one day I was getting ready for work, and this guy calls me. His name was Mike. And he said, hey, Lou and Aunt, Lou Ann and I, we are off work today, and we wondered if we could possibly meet with you. So I said, sure. So Mike and Luann had been attending the church for about maybe three months. They came with their friends, Craig and Tracy, who invited them. Because inviting somebody to church can be one of the most powerful things that ever happened in somebody's life. I really believe that. Inviting somebody to church can be one of the first steps of the most powerful things that ever happened in anybody's life. And so here's what they said. They said, you know what? We've been coming for a few months. And we're really drawn to what we're hearing and seeing and experiencing. And um, things are going well for us here, but we're not Christians. And they said, we want to be Christians. But we don't know how. We don't know how to become Christians. And even if we knew how to become a Christian, we don't think we really know how to live a Christian life after we become Christians. And Mike says to me, I'm a little embarrassed that we don't know more about this than we do, but it's all kind of new to us. But he said, here's what's going on. We can't sleep. We can't think straight. All we think about, all we want, all we desire is to be right in our relationship with God. And we thought maybe you could help us. It's like a preacher's dream come true, right? It's like you're driving through the orchard and fruit just falls off in the back of the truck as you're driving through. You know, you... And so that day I talked to them about their sin. I talked to them about um, believing in what they believe about Jesus. I, I talked to them about making Jesus the Lord of their lives. And, and they were just ready to go. And we prayed. And, and they became Christians and began to live a Christian life. And and then I was back in Tennessee a few years ago. They're still living the Christian life. And they point back to when their friends Craig and Tracy invited them to church. And they begin to hear the gospel. And their lives were just changed completely. What they were saying to me that day was this. We want to we wanna be on the journey. We just don't know the way. We don't know where to go. We don't know how to get there. I mean, we're, we're interested, but we don't know how to get it. Can you tell us how to get there? I'm standing at the screen again. To be offered an eternal home with Jesus is one thing. But to know how to get there is another. And you could build this out to be a... Uh, to be in a right relationship with Jesus is one thing, but to know how to get there is another. To feel like you and God are okay is one thing, but to know how to get there is another. Annette and I had gotten off the interstate the other day, and we were trying to find this place, 
and the GPS had let us down completely. And I pulled up and rode down my window and there was a lady there. And I said, hey, can you tell us how to, we think we're close, but we can't seem to find this place. And she goes, oh, it's not a problem at all. And she just says, you want to go down here and you want to turn left and you're going to follow that road around. You're going to go right and then you're going to turn left again and then right again. And just kept on and on and on. But don't go this way. You'll, this will happen. Don't go this way. And, and, and finally she says, okay. And I said, thanks so much. And I rolled up my window I'm pulling away, and Annette says, you got that? I said, no idea whatsoever. And, and I think that's where the disciples are. Yeah, we heard him, but we don't understand it. Yeah, Annette, I heard what the lady said, but I have no idea what she meant. And Jesus speaks in that setting and he says, Thomas, I'm the way. Well, <laughs> I mean, no, I'm, I'm looking for directions. You're a person. No. No, listen to me, Thomas. I am the way to God. I am the way to a right relationship with God. I am the way to peace with God. I am the way to knowing God intimately. And I'm the truth. And I'm the life. Boy, how do you unpackage that, right? You know what I've learned about Walmart? Felt random. I've learned that if you pull up your phone app when you go into Walmart, it will not only identify the store that you're in, but you can type in any item and it will tell you what aisle to find it on. Now, some of you are like, oh, I see your faces. Like, well, I'm going to try that. Yeah, doing okay with Jesus, but boy, my relationship with Walmart's going wonderful now. Yeah. Walmart used to be known as the store where if you walked in and you asked them where to find something, they would say, let me take you and show you. They don't do that so much anymore. I went in a store not long ago, people waiting in the car for me, and that was with us. We were in a hurry, and I said, I'll just run in, and I'll find it real quick, and I'll run right back out. And I'm not going to name the store, but it was extremely red and big. And I say to this person that worked there, hey, can you help me find this? And the person said, you know, I think maybe, you see that big sign back there that says that, then if you go to that sign and you turn right, there's a mile, you might, if we have it, it might be around that area. I'm not for sure. I was like, oh. I go running back there. I can't find it. You know what I love? Here's what I love. I love it when somebody says, when I ask a question, I love it when they say, you know what, just go with me, I'll take you. Just walk with me, let's just go. I'll just take you and show you right where it is. I love that. And they become not directions, but the way. They, they become the way, right? So, no, just come with me. I'll walk with you. Let's just walk together. Well, it's not far. Come on, I'll show you right where it is. Just walk with me. And, and they become the way to what I'm looking for. Does that make it better? Jesus says, hey, you... You want to be right with God? You want to know, you want a relationship with the Father? 
here, come on, just go with me. Let's just walk together, and I'll, I'll, I'll show you. We'll just, I'll just take you to where you need to be. Just follow me. Let's just walk together on this journey. It's called discipleship. Just, just walk with me, and I will take you there. I am the way, and I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Those are big statements. He is saying, not only, not only am I the way, but I am the way because I am the truth. I, I reveal God. To, you want to know what's God? You want to know what God is like? He says to Philip, look at me, Philip. I'll show you what God is like. Healing, blessing, touching, loving, helping, caring. Philip, this is what God's like. I'm revealing to you the truth of God, all truth. And he is the way because the very life of God resides in him. I love the way David Busick says it in his book. He says, he says Jesus is not, he's not like a set of directions. He is the way. He's not like a set of principles. He is the truth. It's not like he's an alternative way to live your life. No, he is life. And so I'm going to say this to you today, and I'm going to give you great advice, and I'm going to tell you the best possible life that you can possibly live ever. It's just simply this. Here's what you should do with your life from now on. You should just follow Jesus. Really, really, I'm telling you, follow Jesus. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. From this day forward, if you're, if you're living some other life, I'm telling you, stop the life that you're living now, just like Simon Peter's brother Andrew, just like James and John, just like Matthew, and just say, from now on, I am gonna get on this journey with Jesus, I'm going with him. Follow Jesus. Seriously, seriously. There is no life like this. And if you are following from a distance, stop it and follow closer. Well, you got to give me a reason. I understand that. I mean, I got a brain. I get it. So you got to tell me why. I hear you. And in this passage alone, there are two reasons. There's a lot of reasons. There's two in this passage that I want to point out, okay? The first one has to do with identity. Do you remember what I read to you a moment ago when Jesus said, if you know me, you know the Father. Here's the way he says it to Philip a few verses later. Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen God. How else can I say it? Why should you follow Jesus? Because he is God in human form. He holds all things together. He is the creator of all things. He sustains all things. He made you. He loves you. He wants you to walk with him, to know him. He is truth and he is life. I can't offer you anything beyond Jesus. Now here's the second reason. He says no one comes to the Father except 
through me. One way to God. Do you have any idea how controversial this statement has been over the last 2,000 years? Can, can you grasp this morning how offensive this statement is to some people? Do you understand how much angst there is because Jesus said these words? There's one way. Years ago, I became um, really interested in a guy named Peter Jennings. He was the anchor for ABC World News Tonight for like almost 25 years. And he got interested in Jesus. And he started doing like documentaries. He did three or four. One was called The Historical Jesus. They aired it at 7 o'clock on a Thursday evening, one hour. Peter Jennings talking about Jesus. I thought, man, this guy's seeking Jesus. He later got cancer, and before he died, he said these words. Of all of my research and study, I've come to this conclusion. There are many pathways that lead to God. He broke my heart. And then he died. It's what I hear in culture. Is it what you hear? Well, we don't want to be offensive. It sounds a bit exclusive, doesn't it? And Jesus says, no, no, it's, it's inclusive. Everybody's invited. And here we are in northwest Oklahoma City on 2023, reading the Bible on Sunday morning, and we hear these words of Jesus that says, nobody, nobody, nobody. And when I say nobody, I mean nobody comes to the Father except through me. There's one way. Let me talk to you for a few minutes about authority, okay? John Wesley is the person who has influenced our theology in the Nazarene church more than any other theologian. He talks about Scripture being authoritative, okay? So in his life, he would say, these words have authority in my life. But he also said that tradition has authority. When we talk about tradition, we mean the Christian tradition or the church. He said, you know, experience is authoritative as well. We can't ignore our experiences with God. So let me give you an example. In John 9, when this guy was blind, got healed, and he could see, they came around and said, you know, what do you, what do you think about Jesus? Who do you think he is? And he goes, I can tell you one thing. I used to be blind, but now I see I mean, I'm a believer. That, that experience was authoritative in his life. And also reason. We have a brain. We didn't check it at the door, right? We're thinking today. Wesley said, however, Scripture is primary. And so there's an illustration you may have seen before. It's like a stool. Well, 
Here's a stool. Imagine this one only has three legs, but it has four, but you have to act like you can only see three. The seat would become Scripture, and then the trilateral, the other three, support Scripture. So in other words, if what the church is saying is not in line with Scripture, i got an issue. If what my experience is is not in line with Scripture, I've got an issue. If what I think is not in line with Scripture, I've got an issue because Scripture is primary. And so we come to church on Sunday morning and we hear the pastor quote Jesus in the Scripture. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we say, it sounds a little exclusive. It feels like we're a little bit haughty in the church. Society doesn't like that phrase. And we begin to question, do I believe that? The Scripture. Jesus. And I realize that this is where the tradition of the church is. I don't know if I can align with the church at this point. And maybe it's not just on that issue. Maybe there's other issues that the Scripture mentions, and you say, I just don't know what I believe or feel, or I struggle with the fact that the Bible says this or that. And once in a while, there are people who will say, okay, I've decided that I'm going to take Scripture and tradition away. They're no longer authoritative in my life. And what I'm left with is my own experience and what I think about my experiences. And that becomes my authority. It's going to sound a little harsh. But in a very real sense, I become God. And based on my experiences and what I think, I decide what's right and wrong. And I write my own moral code. And I determine what is truth. And you hear it a lot in our world today. Find your own truth. But Jesus said, I'm the truth, and I'm life, and I've come to show you the way to God. This is not new. When I was young, this was happening. But I feel like there's many in the world today who have eliminated these two possible authority two possibilities as authority and have kind of been left here. I read not long ago, and I don't know who said it, but if Jesus had never lived, we wouldn't have been able to have invented him. If, if Jesus had have never existed, we wouldn't have been able to have invented him. Born into a very poor family, 2,000 years ago in the Middle Eastern part of the world, to a despised nation. And he lives to become the most influential person who has ever lived in history. Wow. And I remember a young man said to me not long ago who had previously claimed to be agnostic. He said, I've come to the place in my life that I've determined that Jesus had to be more than a man. 
He is divine. You want the real question? What do you believe about the historical Jesus? I want to pray for you in a moment, and the band's going to come out, and we're going to sing. I feel like I couldn't really just, just say, okay, we'll sing, and then we'll head out the doors and grab some lunch. Um, because I really want to uh, give many of you an opportunity to pray. So if you don't mind standing with me uh, before I pray for you, I just want to say that if you want to come forward today and pray, you're welcome to. You may say, I feel like Jesus has been calling me lately like he called the disciples. Hey, follow me. And Rick, I think I'm at a place in my life that I'm ready to leave my life as I know it and begin this journey with Jesus as a disciple of his, believing that he's going to give me the grace to live this life that he's calling me to live. It may be that you really related today to the four words on the screen and you say, you know, I got people in my life that I love. They've pretty much eliminated the scripture as authoritative and the tradition of the church. And, and I think they're making most of their decisions based on their own experience and what they think about it. Maybe you want to come and pray for people in your life that they will look to Jesus as the way again. And it could be that you have a need this morning. You've, you've come to church saying, I wanted to really focus on the sermon, but man, we got something going on in our lives right now, and I'm just, I can't quit thinking about it. I need God's help. Or if you want to pray for the Middle East, any reason you want to come is fine. But Father, this morning, I think what's important is that we all pray, that we all talk to you, and that we truly examine our hearts in regard to what we believe and that we hear closely this morning the words of Jesus. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
has no hold on me Cause your grace holds my ground And your grace holds me now Your grace holds me for God's amazing, amazing grace. Amen, church. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your grace that sees us through. here. Thank you for the grace that meets us exactly where we are. Oh, how we love you, God. So thankful for your presence. prepare to leave today, let me offer a word of benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go in the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ today. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.